Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories from Australia and around the world. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land. Interviews and production of this program took place on Barkindji country and were broadcast across stolen lands via the Community Radio Network. I'd like to pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge the continuing struggle for sovereignty and self-determination. I'm Megan Williams. The thing about this story about a fight for a river, this is happening all over the world. This is everyone's story. This is everyone's fight. Justine Muller is a Sydney-based artist that spent six years travelling back and forth to Wilcannia, living and working with the community and painting portraits for the exhibition Barker, the Forgotten River. That's coming up later on the show. First, I'm bringing you a special feature that was produced as part of Community Radio's National Features and Documentary Series last year. Healthy flows are right now making their way down the Darling Barker River and into the Menindee Lakes. This feature, In Murky Waters, will take you back to the mass fish kills of 2019 and set the scene of the history and politics of how we got there. The first time I saw the Darling River, I wondered if it was even a river at all. It was September 2018, and what should have been a springtime flow was an empty channel of dust and exposed tree roots. All that remained was a dribble of grey-green muck at the bottom. The Murray-Darling is the largest river system in Australia. It spans over a million square kilometres, with dozens of rivers that originate from southern Queensland to northern Victoria, and all meander the Murray Mouth, just east of Adelaide. And as I stared down at a stagnant pool in a drying riverbed, it was clear to me this complex river system is struggling to survive. Greed and corruption is destroying this river system. There is, without a doubt, money involved. I think it is criminal, and I think we've seen a lot of criminal things going on when it comes to water. We need to know what's gone on here. I'm Megan Williams. Come with me as we wade through murky waters, where corruption and crooked dealings have strangled the Murray-Darling and left it for dead. The influence that the cotton industry has had on water policy is toxic. Yes, it might be legal to take that water, but is it morally right? For over 60,000 years, the Murray-Darling River system has been the lifeblood for 40 Aboriginal nations. 
These days, its agricultural production is valued at $24 billion a year and tourism a further $8 billion. It supplies 3 million people their drinking water and supports migratory birds that fly across the planet and endangered fish found nowhere else in the world. Whichever way you look at it, there's a lot riding on the fate of the Murray-Darling. And for many, it's a matter of life or death. I believe it's a part of genocide, what's happening in our communities. We all got to stand together as one and say no more. Interstate squabbles over water rights in the Murray-Darling Basin date back before Federation. It was 1946 when flow rates were first recorded at a little spot called Batundi, a 45-minute drive upstream from Wentworth, where the Darling River meets the Murray. Until the year 2000, the Lower Darling had ceased to flow only twice in more than half a century. But since then, the Darling River has come to a complete standstill in 10 of the last 20 years. And from 2015, there's been over 900 days without a single drop running out the bottom. An environmental disaster playing out in slow motion. Locals along the Menindee Lakes near Broken Hill fear the health of the river system is in crisis. Up to a million fish, including many native species, are dead and decaying in the Lower Darling River due to toxic blue-green algae. It was Tuesday the 8th of January, 2019. My name is Dick Arnold. I'm here with Rob McBride. Apocalyptic scenes of a mass fish kill went viral on social media. Look at these iconic fish of Australia being treated like this. You just have to be bloody disgusted with yourself. Kate McBride from Tolano Station was one of the first on the scene. So it just started like any other day, you know, started January, so it was stinking hot, and all of a sudden we get a call from a mate saying there's all these fish that have died up at Menindee. She filmed the viral video of two grown men that cradled dying Murray Cod in their arms. The scenes she saw were truly shocking. What we witnessed was just beyond our wildest imaginations. It was horrific. You're driving around Kinchiga National Park and going around the bend and you just see the Darling River, or what used to be the Darling River, just blanketed in dead fish. And I guess what I remember most from that day is just the smell of just rotting animals. Um, And the complete devastation. Um, Yeah, it's... It's going to stick with me for the rest of my life, that's for sure. I know that. Makes me feel like crying again. There were three mass fish kills on the Lower Darling over the 2018-2019 summer. The drought leading up to it was severe, but not unprecedented. So what were all those fish doing there, with the blue-green algae laying in wait? The reason that these fish were up there at Menindee is because these native fish know that when the river is low or drying up, that the Menindee lakes can really act as a refuge during times of hardship or times of drought. 
These fish were heading up to Menindee Lakes because they use it as a bit of a refuge during these dry times. But because of government decisions, all the water had been let go of the lakes and the water wasn't there for them to find a refuge in. And then all of a sudden they were stuck in these stagnant pools. Blue-green algae got going and all of a sudden they were dead. Brought to you by the New South Wales government, the federal government and the Murray-Darling Basin Authority. In the days leading up to the fish kill, the mercury dropped to 16 degrees Celsius after a full week with temperatures topping 45 degrees in the shade. So in the closest town of Menindee, while locals shivered leaving the pub on last drinks, down at the river, this cold snap was causing the blue-green algae to die and consume all the oxygen available in the stagnant weir pool. Life in the river suffocated en masse. For Barkindji elder Badger Bates, an event like this was once unthinkable. Blue-green algae, we, we didn't know what that was. It wasn't around when I was a kid, you know. It just wasn't there, and why I say this, because nobody talked about it. We used to get uh, cod, perch, black brim, catfish, and then there are some other little small ones. There was other little things that we don't see now. It was like a... We used to call them charlies. But this is a funny little beetle, and it walked on the water, and it was like a spider, water spider sort of thing. And that'd be big masses, and sometimes you'd just see the water, just black with all these spider things. But then that was part of the food chain too, because the fish in that ate them, but you don't see that anymore. A report by the Australian Academy of Sciences pointed the finger at excessive upstream irrigation and lack of water in the Menindee Lakes as the underlying cause of the mass fish kills. So what's happened in recent history that's brought this once mighty river to its knees? Um, at the very overarching principle level, everyone forgot about the river for the last 40 or 50 years. There's a never-ending list of reports. Well, there's two fish reports. Inquiries. Ken Matthews. Productivity Commission. Investigations. John Kennery's review. It's the ACCC. And allegations of foul play. There's the Royal Commission. Into water management. Um, We've just had a review into a first flush thing. That's off the top of my head. How am I going? Alan White's a pretty clued in character when it comes to water. I probably pass as a a water junkie, for want of a better description. Um, And maybe it's genetic because I I think my father probably falls in the same category and probably my grandfather as well. His family has grown citrus on the Darling River north of Wentworth since the 1930s. Their involvement in government consultations can shed light on just how long people have raised the alarm on the Darling River. The original issuing of the water licences up north was, uh, was excessive, particularly expectations of how much water could be taken out of a system. But at the time, that was... That was, you know, conventional best wisdom. Um, my uh, father disagreed with that, and a lot of people down here disagreed with it. And in the second half of the 70s and the early 80s, there were a lot of objections put in to the issuing of those water licences up north. Those objections were based on, on water quality and river management grounds, 
where are we now? We've got huge water quality issues and the river management's um, up the creek, so to speak. There's still so much finger-pointing going on as to why the Menindee Lakes were dry. That's Kate McBride again. You know, the different governments pointed the finger at each other and each of them pointed the finger at the Murray-Darling Basin Authority and no-one stood up and said, yeah, we stuffed up, we're going to learn from this. We had both the federal government and New South Wales governments trying to normalise millions of fish dying to make it seem like, no, it's not us doing a bad job. We saw over a million fish die. If you saw a pile of a million koalas, it would, it would be the end of the world sort of thing. It, 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 we would make real changes. But because they're just fish and because the government got real quick on the clean-up, it just gets swept under the rug. And that's the scary thing is that, you know, are we going to have the same issue next summer? Um, that we haven't seen that real, the core changes within the policies and things to make sure that we never see this issue happening again, and that's, that scares me. Authorities warn that floods and long dry spells may lead to another summer of fish kills. Without long-term changes to the way water is controlled in this country, a million dead fish is only the beginning. That was the pilot episode of In Murky Waters, produced by me, Megan Williams, as part of the 2020 National Features and Documentary Series. If you want to hear what happens next... Go to inmurkywaters.com.au to subscribe and get an email when the full series is released. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Next up, we're going to hear from Justine Muller about the artworks she's exhibiting alongside Badger Bates in Barker, the Forgotten River. So the collaboration with Uncle Badger Bates and really with the Wilcannia community as well is called Barker the Forgotten River. It started six years ago and the actual making of the exhibition was over a three-year period. Uh, Well, my part was over a three-year period. Actually, Uncle Badger has uh, like I think two two or three decades of work. He's got like um, his prints going back over a very long period of time from when the river was healthy up until now but uh over the over a three-year period I because I'm Sydney based I came out to Wilcannia and I continued to return as a guest of of that country and um I collaborated with Uncle Badger and also with the the whole community I actually um got advice and and very generously they shared um a lot of their their knowledge and their culture with me and and gave me permission to work with them and um so the exhibition is mine and badgers but it's it's really it's it's bigger than that it's it's everyone in Wilcannia. Justine's artworks are a set of portraits with accompanied audio that tell a story about the Barker the Darling River 
and I met up with her this week in a little cottage on a quiet street in Broken Hill. And she tells me where these paintings got started. Uh, yeah, so when I first started, I, I first painted Badger, which seemed kind of obvious to do. And then uh, the second person I painted was this incredible character known as Crow. Um, in language, his nickname is Waku, but in English, that, that becomes Crow. Everyone in Morgana has nicknamed. Um, and I just, I just saw him and he was so colourful and such an amazing character that I asked his family if, if I could have permission to paint him and him. Um, and then as the, as the project grew, it became obvious that, you know, it was important to try to get across section of the community. So what we, what we did was very kind of carefully decide who it was that I could ask, I could reach out and ask permission to paint. So um, the final exhibition, we have eight portraits for women and for men. And we tried to kind of, as much as possible, we tried to represent the different family groups and different ages. And um, again, this idea that I was of the reality that I was a white woman from the city and I had a fair bit of privilege in that. It was like, how do I use that position to get these voices heard that should be heard that aren't being heard? And then I was like, well, I will actually like physically record the voices and put the voices with the portrait. So when you go to the exhibition, you stand in front of a portrait and you can actually hear that person talking to you, telling you their story of their memories of the river when it was healthy and what it means to them. We'll listen to one of these recordings after this. But first, Justine gives us the stories of collecting the audio behind the scenes. Each one was really unique and really special. Like um, one of the audios was the very last one that I did and we actually, it was really cold and and we went to the house and the kids were running around and making so much noise. So the audio, like sometimes it's just recorded with the one person one-on-one, but sometimes that person was a little bit shy or I caught them and they were in a family setting. And so some of the audios are more like conversations. So one particular one I was just talking about, we sat in in the car and put the heater on and we were just giggling and recording and we just did it on my iPhone. And they were very... um. They were very organic and natural, you know. They were just like conversations and um, and that was beautiful experience. And again, to be able to have that level of trust given to me, I'm, it's, I'm very aware of, you know, how lucky I am to have that, you know. Um, uh, another one was I went around to Annie Teddy Bear's house and she was very shy and we all, we all sat. Uh, so it was Annie Junior actually actually who I painted um but we sat around around a kitchen table and I think there was about six family members and we just put the iPhone in the middle of the table and everyone was drinking tea and chatting and we just had a yarn and they just took it in turns to tell their memories of of the river and then of course there's others that were a little bit more formal like Uncle Badger and Annie Mon, where they really, you know, really wanted to get across the pain that they felt about the river and the fight that they want people to get on board with. Fresh flowing water. It's the most fundamental element of life. So what are the underlying issues that this fight is coming up against? Uh, Over-extraction, 
floodplain harvesting, pomace management, um, priorities being given to certain groups of people or businesses over over others. You know, um, there's water here now. There's yeah, there's water, and this is how it should be all the time. And yes, we understand like there are there are many issues, and we we live in a country where we have dry seasons and we have droughts but not four-year droughts you know so I, I watched the river drop nine meters in three months the last time it was healthy like this and then over the over the next three years I came out and each time I came it would get worse and worse and it would become so sick that uh, people would get upset if I let my dog go near the river because it was unhealthy for people to drink from and for for animals there were dead animals in the river there were those blue green algae blooms that um, resulted in those mass fish kills there were kids getting rashes you know um this is this is temporary it should be like this all the time and yes we should be happy and we should celebrate while it's up but we want it to be constant we want it to be healthy continuously not just once in a blue moon and where to next for barker the forgotten river it's opening in maitland on the 12th of June and it's running through until September and there'll be an opening at the Maitland on the 18th of June and then um, the last weekend of July we'll be bringing the Wilcannia dancers down from Wilcannia to perform and um, I think Uncle Badger and I will be doing an artist talk around there so yeah uh, after that I guess you've just got to um Follow us somehow, follow us on social media, um, keep your ear out for it because our, our, our hope is to take it to Queensland because I think it's important that um, the people up the top end of, of the river see it and understand how. We understand that there's a tragedy of the river but we've with this exhibition I think there's an ability to, to feel it as well to feel what people are experiencing. That was Justine Muller talking about her artwork as part of Barker, the Forgotten River. This next recording comes from Justine's work and accompanies a portrait of proud Barkindji woman, Monica Kerwin. My name is Monica Kerwin. I'm a proud Barkindji woman. I'm a mother and a grandmother. It was born and brought up in Wilcannia on the banks of the Darling River. My people are the Barkindji people. When I was a child, the river was fresh and flowing, and I was taught the traditional ways and stories of my people. The Barker was also the main food source of my people. Today, it brings me great sadness to see the river in such a bad way. I am 48 years old. And for the last 20 years, the river has stopped flowing the way it should. The river turtles have gone. Many fresh fish have gone. The bird patterns have changed. Even the possums have left. I follow my mother's bloodline, but the bark of the Darling River is all of our lifeline. Without the river, I am unable to teach my grandchildren my culture and allow them to have the identity of being a Wimbicha Barker, which is River People. Thank you. No Barker, no Barker.
You've been listening to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories on the National Community Radio Network. That was Proud Barkindji woman Monica Kerwin, recorded by Justine Muller for Barker, the Forgotten River, an exhibition you can check out in Maitland, New South Wales. Earlier on the show, I played my feature, In Murky Waters, produced for the 2020 National Features and Documentary Series. You can go to inmurkywaters.com.au to find out more. If you missed any of today's show, you can listen back at 3cr.org.au slash earthmatters. And you can find our podcast on your favourite podcasting service. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Earth Matters is usually produced in the studios of 3CR, but today's episode is coming to you from Barkindji country. Taking us out is Barkindji Malangapa man Leroy Johnson, an artist with strong connections to the Lower Barker and the first Aboriginal park manager at Mudawindji. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for more Earth Matters. Me and fish that died out in Menindee there, they was the Bony Brothers. They was my total, and we call them Yampa. Where the Yampa live is the blood of our great big land, and my gotta give is a part of our sacred dance. And all the people learn When the barker she does not run When that damn all burst You and I will live as one they say Nya 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 walangimba barker They say Nya 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 walangimba They say, nya nya nya, walangimba baka. No baka, they say, nya nya nya, walangimba baka. No baka, no baka nji. 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 One more time. No baka, no baka nji. No baka, no baka nji. No baka, no baka nji. No baka. No